All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome everyone on this fine Saturday morning to the Oligarch Roundtable. It is my pleasure to introduce a guy who I really respect to you all, the face of DeFi, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Durden from Lefinity. Durden, how are you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Love to hear it. Um, thank you for hopping by. We're stoked to have you. So let's start with the beginning of the story. How did you get into crypto to Solana and finally Lefinity? Sure. Uh, yeah, and I forgot to say, thanks for having me on. Um, so crypto, I got into in 2017. Um, started off just buying some Bitcoin and uh, eventually bought some Ether and then couple ICOs, I think. Uh, and that was like near the end of 2017. So that cycle came to an end soon after. I'm just like held on to my assets and uh, waited for the next cycle. And uh, in the next cycle, I started doing some like very basic things in Ethereum DeFi. But uh, as many of you might know, it's like pretty cumbersome. Uh, just like I uh high transaction fees and things are slow uh then i heard about uh solana and um i uh i'm not a dev but i did read their like you guys might know like the uh the article where it like talks about the eight core innovations of solana which is like semi-technical um i do have a math background so like i read that and like that kind of thing does appeal to me so i was like okay this sounds pretty interesting because i actually tried it out and you know it worked as advertised like super cheap and fast i was like this is cool so then i started uh using solana DeFi. i think i started on radium just like uh, provided liquidity and it was like pretty significant liquidity mining rewards back in those days so yeah i got in that way and then just like gradually started using other protocols as well, um, and uh, never really looked back. Uh, in terms of Lefinity, Lefinity was another protocol I was looking into. So I was in their Discord asking questions a bunch, and then uh, one day uh, the team asked me to join them as a, I think originally just as a mod, and then I, but after like a month or maybe less, they're like, we want you to join us. Uh, as a core team member so yeah so they were like building lifinity for about six months before i joined them but yeah now i'm one of the core team members and uh i've been with them for about two years been a pretty wild ride but uh that's yeah, been fun that's an insane story i think many people actually think you're one of the founding members because you've been with them for so long and you have uh, uh, posted so long, but it's good to know that you are a core contributor who joined as, as they were moving forward with their journey. Uh, I actually wanted to ask about your background, but now I uh, got it. You mentioned that you have a, a math background, so numbers guy, um, good to know. And I also heard, I think it was a podcast that you um, played semi-professional poker. Is that right? Yeah, I was playing poker semi-professionally for like uh, three to four years. Um, I, I only played... <clears throat> Oh shit! Well, it's been a while. <laughs> what are they called? Heads up, uh, heads up, hyper sit and goes. So like, uh, it's basically one on one, and the uh, the starting blinds are twenty five, which is like okay. very very low. So like each game ends really quick, um, and it's like uh, it's the type of poker that's that's the most um, amenable to mathematical analysis so basically um, when the blinds are as low as 25 uh, the uh, strategy space is that much smaller so it's it's it becomes possible to calculate the optimal strategy for the game from like the very beginning of the game and for more complex forms of poker like full ring where there's like nine players uh, you can't do that actually they actually uh, don't even exist um, quote unquote optimal strategies 
for multiplayer poker games. And so anyways, like uh, Heads Up is like very, it's the most mathy type of poker. So it appealed to me. And uh, yeah, that's the only thing I played. But yeah, that was a totally different era of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super interesting journey of yours. We have quite a few poker players in here. I guess we should soon host the Alfinity X Oligarch Grand Poker Tournament one-on-ones <laughs> we'll see what the future brings um but yeah also as far as i know lifinity has an actually small team compared to the level where you guys operate at and um super interestingly you guys are also anonymous could you give us a rundown on how the team is looking sure so yeah we're anonymous um let's see so we're composed of just four of us um there's me and then uh, we have two devs luffy and zero they have been devs for their entire working lives for tens of years i believe uh, so they have a lot of experience they uh did some market making before they started building Lifinity. so they have uh some like experience like relevant experience before they started building Lifinity as well and then our last team member is maki they are the uh, artist, or designer, I should say. So they do anything design-related. Then me, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm like the face of Affinity, I guess. I do like everything that's not development or design work. Uh, so like marketing, communications, community management, stuff like that. You are indeed the face. I think many people associate Lefinity with you, which is a good thing. It's a pleasure to see a bunch of chats operating at such an effective and high levels, which others can only imagine with enormous uh, teams and fundings. So, Lefinity, I like to find out as simple as possible. How do you explain Lefinity to someone who has been in the space but never had the chance to take a deeper look at what you guys do? Yeah, so let's see. So uh, the one-liner is that Lefinity is an Oracle-based DEX that's designed to improve capital efficiency and reduce impermanent loss. Um, Lefinity is a very unique DEX. There's many things about it from the design of, of its DEX to its tokenomics that make it um, very different from your average DEX. Um, so like, it's kind of hard to know like where to start, but I guess I'll just start from the decks. So it's an Oracle based decks, like I said. Um, so what this means is that usually most decks they determine the price purely based on um, the balance of assets in their pool. That's, uh, true for constant product market makers and also for concentrated liquidity market makers. Um, and also stable swaps, they all work that way. Um, but Lefinity is different. Its starting point for how it determines what price to trade at is the Oracle price. And based on the... Uh, so Lefinity also considers the balance of assets in its pools, but instead of using that as the starting price, it just uses it as a, a data point for how to adjust the starting point, which is the Oracle price. And so practically what this means is uh, we are trading at um, the average centralized exchange price, you might say. And the reason this is useful for us to, to do is because um, price discovery tends to happen on centralized exchanges. And uh, maybe in, in more easy to understand terms, what that means is that if uh, the price of an asset moves significantly, Statistically, that's more likely to happen on a centralized exchange than it is on a decentralized exchange. And uh, what happens when you don't, when, when you aren't the place of price discovery, where price discovery happens elsewhere, um, then you will get arbitraged. And this is what happens to other DEXs, right? It's like they have no way to update their prices uh, based on information. Um, the price information on centralized exchanges. So that means there's this arbitrage opportunity. So for example, like say the price of Seoul is 100 bucks, and then someone 
does a massive centralized exchange, price goes to $101. Um, a, a standard DEX won't know that this happened. So its price is still $100. So then what arbitragers can do is they can buy sold on a decentralized exchange for $100 and then sell it for $101 on a centralized exchange, profit that way. But they can't do that with Lefinity because as soon as the price changes on decentralized exchange, Lefinity knows that this happened, so it updates its price, and so it doesn't get um, arbitraged. And what that means is that Lefinity, unlike the other DEXs, is not selling its soul at too cheap a price, the $100 that is. Instead, we're at $101. And so actually what happens here, normally, if Lefinity didn't exist, the arbitrage would be between the DEX and the centralized exchange. But because Lefinity does exist, it's much easier for arbitragers to do the arbitrage atomically, fully on chain. Um, it's easier because they can guarantee, they can like you know design the transaction such that the arbitrage only happens both sides of it, the buy and the sell, if and only if both transactions go through both exchanges. Whereas you can't have that guarantee if you're doing it on a centralized exchange. Um, like the, the trade might go through on the centralized exchange, but then not on the decentralized exchange because some other arbitrager got to it before you did. But then you already uh, sold on the centralized exchange, so now you have to um, buy again, but you, you have no ARB and you just paid fees. So anyways, <laughs> I'm, I know I'm like going down a bunch of rabbit holes. But uh, yeah, so I think that that's the most fundamental thing about Lifinity is that it's an Oracle-based X. And um, the practical consequences of this is that we are much more profitable because we're able to avoid this toxic flow that is the arbitrage thing I explained, which um, in more uh, it's, it's more often referred to as impermanent loss. And actually, we're able to reverse this into what we call market-making profit. So usually, impermanent loss, like another way to explain it, is that you are buying high and selling low, and that ends up uh, generating a loss. But instead, because we use the Oracle price, we're able to buy low and then sell high. So that uh, generates a profit, and it's a profit that's totally separate from trading fees, which of course also generates a profit, but on other DEXs, that's normally all there is. There's just a trading fees, and you hope that that is greater than the impermanent loss that you suffer. For us, we're able to generate both trading fees, and on top of that, generate a market-making profit. And uh, that's all thanks to using an Oracle. I guess I'll stop there for now. Super, super interesting. And don't be afraid to dive into separate rabbit holes. We are all in for that. And it's uh, very good to know how Affinity avoids impermanent loss and this, you know, MEV arbitrage and toxic flow. Uh, it's rare that we see something like this. And it's uh, bad to see other DEXs getting, you know, sort of abused for this arbitrage opportunity. Uh, but this is. Um, a lot of management do you guys have uh, algorithms and and bots to do this for um, Lefinity? sort of so um, i guess one clarification just in case there is any confusion uh, Lefinity doesn't execute any trades or i should say uh, Lefinity doesn't initiate any trades Lefinity is just providing liquidity for traders to trade against so there, there are no like bots that are, I don't know, like executing a trading strategy or whatever. We're, we're just providing liquidity. Um, I forgot why I said that. <laughs> well, I also heard that this um, is a service as well, right? You guys providing liquidity. Yeah, I guess uh, that's probably a good jumping off point to another thing that makes Lefinity unique. Um, so the way um, DEXs usually work is that the DEX is just like a protocol and then users can come and deposit their liquidity in a pool, then earn fees and then withdraw whenever they want type of thing. Um, 
a major difference about Lafinity is that Lafinity owns all the liquidity that it provides. So it has protocol owned liquidity. Um, this might be a first for a DEX. I'm not really sure. I haven't really heard of any other cases. But it's extremely useful for a DEX to own its own liquidity. Uh, the main reason is that. Oh, yeah, I, should, I guess I should also mention that. So normally on other DEXs, the way that a DEX generates revenue is that it charges a fee on the trading fees that the LPs earn. And this is usually something around like 15%. So whatever fees are generated, 85% goes to LPs, and then the protocol keeps 15%, something like that. But in the case of Lafinity, because it owns all the liquidity, it gets to keep 100% of the fees. So it's like 100 versus 15, like a huge difference. Um, and then it, it also doesn't have to worry about trying to attract liquidity. Uh, I guess like if we didn't have enough liquidity, then maybe that would be an issue, but we don't. We have plenty of liquidity. Actually, we have so much that we have um, idle liquidity in our treasury that we just haven't deployed yet. All the pools that we have have all the liquidity that we want them to have. We don't want any more. That's, um, a, because that's a good problem to have <laughs> too much liquidity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a trade-off where um, if you deposit too much liquidity, I should say the more liquidity you have, the, the more volume you're going to get. But on the other hand, it also increases your risk of impermanent loss. So there is a optimal level of liquidity. So uh, that's what I mean when I say uh, Lafinity has enough in all of its pools. Whereas like on other decks, th they do, they have no like upper bound. Their goal is to is like infinite liquidity. You know, they they always want more because that's always good for um, the way their dex model works. But anyways, yeah. So the protocol on liquidity is another thing that makes Lafinity quite different. Yeah, and also I've heard that there is one other unique thing uh, besides all of this is market making as a service where other protocols could, uh, or in the past, did give you guys tokens to market make for them. Yeah, so back in the day, we wrote this article called uh, Market Making as a Service and Liquidity as a Service. And these were two ways in which um, we partnered with other protocols to provide liquidity for their tokens. Um, and since then, we've also had other forms of partnerships that were like slight variations on market making as a service or liquidity as a service. So like the parameters where things can vary is um, uh, one is like uh, who's providing the liquidity. So like uh, it could be that we just provide the infrastructure and then the partner protocol provides its own liquidity in our pools was one model. Another one was where we um, buy the liquidity ourselves and then we are incentivized through rewards from the partner protocol to provide that liquidity. A more recent version we did is where we borrow just their native token pair it with our own USDC, and then market make that way. Um, so it was like, we've had, we've had various deals throughout our time with different projects, and they all look different, just tailored to match whatever the needs of the protocol are. Um, that has been like a relatively smaller part of Affinity's market making. Um, I think that kind of thing, it, it sort of makes more sense in a bear market just because um, like if we're going to market make, that mean, that usually means we have exposure to the tokens that are in the pool because we hold them. And in a bear market, we tend to not want to have exposure. But in a bull market, like we're more okay with holding exposure because you know all else being, all else being equal, most tokens will tend to go up in a bull market. So like we're not so worried about the price of the tokens. Um, even though, you know, obviously, like our purpose is not price appreciation of the tokens, it's to generate revenue through market making. 
But yeah, it just makes it easier in a bull market to, it's easier for us to confidently hold tokens, um, even if like we don't like believe them, believe in them in over the like super long term. Um, but yeah, that is that is something, uh, part of our offering. Very cool. All right, so we've talked about MMing as a service, liquidity as a service, decentralized market making, but actually on your front end, there's basically a only a Jupyter swap integrated. Why is that, and how can someone get involved if not through your front end? Yeah, so here's another thing that makes us unique, I guess, is that we integrate an aggregator, which is Jupiter, into our front end. Uh, and the reason for this is, I guess there's a few. Uh, actually, people who have been, been with us since the beginning know that our original plan was to be both a DEX and an aggregator. And so we actually had a, like a simple aggregator when we uh, started out. But uh, that was like right around the time when Jupiter launched. So Jupiter launched, and we were like, "Do we want to compete with them and continue working on the decks, or do we want to just focus on the decks and then rely on them as the aggregator?" And we opted for the latter, and uh, I think that was a good decision because um, uh, Jupiter, like as an aggregator, is pretty goaded. It would, have, it would have definitely been a competition. So, yeah, so that being said, uh, we integrated with Jupiter soon after they launched. And uh, so basically, and, you know, like uh, from the start, we were, you know, we were like telling our users, like, you know, our goal is always give you the best price. And so it kind of made sense for us to integrate Jupiter into our front end um, rather than just routing people just to our decks, which does not give them the best price, not always anyways, only when we do. Um, and, you know, another reason we do this is because we think it, it makes sense long term, especially on Solana, where there, there really is no reason anyone should be using a single decks to swap on. Like, you should not be swapping on Orca. You should not be swapping on Radium. Uh, there is zero upside, like literally. There is not a single reason I can think of where you gain an advantage by doing that. You always, 100% of the time, do at least as good and usually better by swapping on Jupiter. And so I think that's the direction that the space as a whole is going to move toward. Uh, it's not going to, like, it's not going to, like, <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, uh, whatever Dex is, try to compete on the front end and try to get that flow. Like they're just going to gradually lose their users because you know, like when people realize, oh, I can get better prices on Jupiter, like they go there. But the, the the opposite is never true. People are never like users of Jupiter and be like, oh, I can swap on Orca, or like, or oh, I can swap Radium and then like start swapping there. Like that never happens, right? So like the flow of people is pretty clear in in my view. It's just going to go to aggregators. So just like seeing that. It also kind of makes sense for us to um, have Jupiter uh, integrated into our front end. It's like part of, like sort of an educational effort, and also just like an admission that like this is where the space is moving towards, anyways. So yeah. Okay. Thank you. So let's talk a bit about Lefinity tokens and tokenomics. You have Lefinity, X-Lefinity, and VE-Lefinity, which can be a lot to take in for someone new. Could you go over these? Yeah, so our tokenomics is another thing that sets us apart. Let's see where to start now. So one, the I think the starting point for us was that so we have protocol-owned liquidity, right? Uh, one consequence of that is that we don't need to do any liquidity mining to attract any liquidity. And this is great because uh, the liquidity mining is a, it dilutes your token holders. And so like, if you can avoid it, you, you definitely want to avoid it. And so we're able to avoid it. So yeah, we, we just don't do that. Um, so yeah, then we have, this uh, VE mechanism. So people may be f familiar with 
the uh, VE system um, that was originally pioneered by Curve, uh, which is the, uh, the leading stable swap on Ethereum. And uh, we like that system. And uh, we also noticed that there were a few improvements that could be made how it worked. And uh, so we made those improvements. So basically, just to give like TLDR on the VE is that um, you can lock your tokens. So in our case, that's the LFNPY tokens, the Lefinity tokens. You can lock them, and that will give you VE Lefinity tokens. Uh, and the and the longer you lock your Lefinity tokens, the the more VE tokens you get. And so VE tokens represent, in our case. We have the VE tokens are our uh, revenue sharing token. So if you hold VE Lefinity, we distribute uh, revenue, protocol revenue to VE Lefinity holders on a monthly basis. Um, yeah, and so let's see. So one of the the uh, the downsides of the curve model was that they had no way to um, turn the locked liquids or the uh, the locked tokens liquid and so actually other protocols came along to provide this service to them so most notably there's convex and they created this asset um, cvx crv or convex curve uh, which is like the liquid locked version of curve so like you give them your curve tokens then they lock it forever and then give you a convex curve as like a receipt. But then they take a 16% uh, fee on that, which is like really large. And so we were, we were like, okay, that kind of sucks. Maybe we'll just, you know, do that ourselves natively. And then, uh, you know, we won't need to pay that fee. <laughs> and so that's one of the improvements we made. There's a couple other, which are, smaller and like not super important but um yeah so that's how the ve tokens work and then we did a ve ido which is a unique type of ido that um interlocks with our tokenomics so basically uh, if you're familiar with like how the mango ido worked there was like a few ideas on solana that um, worked very similarly to the Man Mango idea. It was basically like the protocol would say, hey, we're going to give, we're going to sell this many tokens and uh, people can deposit however much USDC they want. And then the price per token will be uh, determined by however much USDC was deposited in total. If it was like, uh, say we're selling 100 tokens and people deposit um, $100, then there would be $1 per token. Uh, so in our case, one difference we made was people could deposit USDC, but they could also choose how long they wanted to lock their Lefinity for. And depending on how long, or the longer they chose to lock their tokens, the uh, larger discount they got on their token price. And uh, so the result of this was that I think it was 72% of VEIDO participants decided to lock their tokens. So right from inception, we had like most of our supply locked as VE Lefinity. Uh, and yeah, I think that was a great way to bootstrap like a locked supply. 72% um, is, is an insane percentage, I think. And how long was that um, lock? Like, how, how long did they lock it for? Were there different periods they could choose of? Yeah, so the max lock period was four years. Um, and the vast majority of people locked for four years. Damn. And uh, Damn. yeah, in the total supply locked right now, like ever since the VE idea, it's mostly just increased. Um, so now there's, I forgot the exact figure, but it's like over 80% is locked as VIDO and most of it uh, four years. Um, yeah, so like in, in that sense, like, you know, that's a, I think a pretty good indicator of like 
uh, this tokenomics system is working well. Um, so yeah, pretty happy with that. Super cool. And and what about Affinity? Just one last question about these um, tokens. Yeah, so Affinity is related to the thing I mentioned earlier of making the uh, the liquid version. So the convex curve thing I was talking about. Uh, Affinity is like the convex curve of Affinity. So um, what Affinity actually is is it's tokenized four year locked. So um, I guess just to go into a little more detail of that, um, what what you can do is uh, if your if your VELFINITY is locked for four years, which is the maximum, then you're able to convert that one to one to XLFINITY. And VELFINITY isn't transferable. It like it's a it's just part of your wallet, and you can't like send it anywhere. But XLFINITY you can, and therefore. That means it's tradable. And so this is like counterintuitive to some people. It's like, what? You you made it so you can lock tokens, but then you can sell your lock tokens, but then they're not locked. Like, what's what's the purpose? <laughs> but uh, the purpose is that, <clears throat> um, I think, so the concern regarding that is that there can be governance attacks, but this is practically not really feasible due to liquidity constraints. Um, and uh, I have a whole like Twitter thread that explains this in much more detail. Um, oh yeah, so, feel free uh, to uh, send that in uh, if you would like at the end or right now, feel free to send it into this voice chat. We would love to read that. Great, yeah. I'll uh, link it after okay. call. Okay. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so Xlifinity, you can Trade it. So, yeah. So I'd rather speak about the, the upsides, like what the what the point of doing this is. And uh, the point is that, so just like, like in theory, say like there was a user who wanted to exit their VE affinity position, and they're willing to pay a tax. What if that tax was ninety nine point nine nine? So they only get if they have like say like 100 VE Lafinity, uh, they only get, what is that, 0 0.01 Lafinity by exiting. As a, so, and if that was the proposition, as of now, would you like that? For me, I would be like, hell yeah, like, I'll do that like every fucking time. Because like, <laughs> the, the, the tax is so huge on them that what they get from exiting early is like so much smaller than what we get as a DAO which is like a deflationary mechanism, right? like uh, because that whatever they get taxed just returns to the treasury. So um, that that's just a thought experiment to demonstrate that there is some price, some tax, at which the DAO should be happy to let people exit, even though they are locked. We should be happy to let them exit as long as the price they're paying is high enough. And so this is basically what Xfinity enables, and that price is determined by the market. So Lifinity has a Lifinity X Lifinity market where people can trade between Lifinity and X Lifinity. Um, so if people want to exit early, other people can provide that liquidity for them at the market determined rate. And uh, I guess just to give like an idea of what this rate has been for us historically, it's ranged. Um, I think the highest discount it ever went was something like sixty percent. I think that was when the uh, the FTX collapse happened, and everyone was like panic, panic exiting, and so that was the lowest it's ever gone. And. Um, Throughout the bear market, it usually ranged like at a very low percent, like uh, from like one uh, percent to five percent, something like that. Uh, and then, when uh, Lifinity increased a lot in price recently, uh, people wanted to exit because they wanted to, you know, take profit on price having gone up so much. Yep. So a lot of people began selling their VE Lifinity as X Lifinity, even though the discount 
sometimes goddess has like 40%. But uh, yeah, people are much more willing to accept that uh, tax that they had to pay because the affinity price had appreciated so much. There's like these interesting dynamics, but the bottom line is that at the end of the day, that it's a market rate and uh, the DAO benefits because actually, yeah, so one detail I didn't mention is that the DAO itself is providing a lot of this, actually like the vast majority of this uh, Lefinity, ex-Lefinity liquidity and the pool's fee is 1%. Uh, and then of course, there's also, you know, discount people are paying. So it's just a huge deflationary mechanism. We've, you know, to date probably gotten like tens of thousands of dollars worth of ex-Lefinity um, bought back, you know, or you can call it bought back, but it's been done without cost. It's like for free, just from, you know, fees. And so it's it's been a, you know, huge net benefit for Lefinity DAO as a whole. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, my intention wasn't to like explain this in such great, great detail, but yeah, I think it, like that mechanism is actually very, very useful. And I hope more DAOs adopt it in the future. Yeah, I really hope that as well and really appreciate you going in depth. I think we all learned a lot from this and uh, this definitely should be a a more known mechanism, especially how you guys improve the curve model uh, because other teams might see other improvements after this and this can just, you know, um, all go to the Solana pie. So thank you for this. But talking about some deflationary stuff, Let's talk about your NFTs, the Lefinity flares, which um, also are um, deflationary. So, how's the how's the flare DAO? What's the benefit of holding um, one or uh, other Lefinity flare NFTs? And how are the NFT buybacks looking there? Yeah. So, actually, um, we sort of so we did launch our our flares before our tokens about like uh four or five months before our tokens and so we use the nfts as a way to bootstrap liquidity as well as a community um so like our our most og community are mostly like flare holders um yeah so we took all the mint funds from the the flares and we just deposited it in our liquidity pools and that liquidity is still owned by uh, flares. So actually, the team took like we didn't take any profit from the mints. Um, so originally, it was minted in Seoul, like most NFTs. Uh, and then later on, there was a deal made between Flare DAO and Lefinity DAO, where Lefinity DAO um, purchased all the liquidity that Flare DAO owned. And they purchase it with VE Lefinity. So now FlareDAO owns 20% of the VE Lefinity supply, uh, which is a lot. That means uh, FlareDAO gets like one fifth the total revenue, and that's used for Flare buybacks. So in the past couple of months, I think that's been like something like 500 sold per month, something like that. Um, and Flares are like, uh, and soul right now so i mean at, at that rate uh and i mean like these these numbers are always changing both revenue and the flare price but that's like 50 or like 0.5 percent of the total supply per month so like that's the like rough deflationary force that's happening uh let's see and then flare dow also has its its own like separate stack of ve affinity and so it has like its own funding that it uses for other things it's done a few things throughout its life, its lifetime. Uh, it was a market maker for flares on Tensor for a while. It got a bunch of Tensor shards for doing that. Um, let's see, it bought some Zanta cards for Asset Dash and created like a learn course there. Uh, more recently, it partnered with um, Radiance Bell. Which oh, is, yes. uh, I've seen that. Yeah, I, I really like Radiance and what they're doing. Um, so I'm really glad that partnership happened. Um, I guess I won't get into details here. But yeah, so like uh, Playdow 
um, has that strong deflationary force at its core. That's like, you know, the main value accrual mechanism. Then it has some of its own assets for FlareDAO to uh, like do other things with. Uh, and like uh, FlareDAO is pretty passionate. They're always like looking for uh, new things to do and uh, discussing them in the governance uh, channels, uh, which anyone can view in our Discord. So yeah, if you're interested, check them out. So from the way I understand it, you and the core team are mainly or fully involved in Lifinity and decentralized market making while the FlareDAO operates independently, like separately from you guys and has their own governance. And as I can hear, they make their own partnerships. Uh, is that a right assumption? Um, not quite. So, so, for example, the buybacks, the uh, the team executes the buybacks. Um, and, like, we're currently doing those through bids on Tensor. So we just, like, place bids. And uh, at least the past few months, like, they've always been filled. Um, in the past, like, we've had a bot that does the buybacks. It's run by the team. Um, technically, the Flare DAO, what they govern is the bot back flares. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, uh, I mean, just like for an example, like those flares are being used in the Radiance auctions. And whenever our bot back flares uh, do win an auction, they get burnt. Um, but yeah, so in terms of like governance, it's, it's uh, I would say it's, how do you say? It's not like a clean cut per se. Um, it's more of a like the team listens to like what the community wants, takes polls often, uh, tries to balance the uh, the views of different community members. Um, often, like you know, it's fairly unanimous that like Flareda wants to do something. Sometimes it's much more contentious, and uh, that makes my job much more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, like uh, because I, you know, I don't want to make it where it's like, well, okay, well, fifty-one percent voted yes, so we're gonna do it. Because I don't know that that seems like you know much too simplistic. Um, ideally, you want you know a much larger majority favor of something before like uh going forward with something um otherwise like you risk splitting the community in a major way that could be very bad for the flare so um yeah so the governments is kind of messy to be honest but i think that is good i think it is actually better at least right now than just doing like straight up like uh token voting or in this case like nft voting like voting weighted purely by the number of NFTs you hold. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think success, success cases for that kind of DAO management are very rare. So, <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, so as messy as it is, I think, for me anyways, and I think for most Flare DAO members, they're happy with how governance is done in this, uh, in this messy way for now. Very cool. Um... Moving on to more recent happenings, you guys had 100% consensus to move Lefinity USDC and Xlefinity Lefinity liquidity to Meteora, which is a insane and uh, be on top of the fees earned. You are also earning a big portion of the, the Meteora incentives. And I know you have been uh, one of the most active contributors in Meteora. I've been in a few town halls with you myself. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Meteora's points program, and if I, as a user with Lefinity Holdings, should be depositing into this Lefinity pool, or what is the best way to gain exposure? Sure. So, um, yeah, I think the the, the uh, Meteora points program is cool. Um, I actually suggested that they uh, much more heavily weight fees over points. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, 
I think, yeah, so in my view, they're not weighting fees as heavily as they should. But it's probably like not a huge deal. But anyways, um, that is definitely beneficial for Lefinity because the, the liquidity that Lefinity deposited is like very large in terms of TVL. It's like total of, uh, I think it's 4 million, which is like a lot. It's like 4 million points per day just yeah. for having your asset on Meteora. <laughs> Um, but in terms of fees, like it's not it's not generating that much. Um, it's not it's not capital efficient. It's just like a constant product tool. So, but so because of that, like the this model where fees aren't so heavily weighted actually does favor Lefinity, um pretty well. So I mean that's nice for us. In terms of like whether you should deposit, um. I don't think you should deposit for a Lefinity USDC because, so I mean, basically the reason we provide liquidity for that is like as a service to our holders. It's not because we're trying to make a profit. Like, uh, it's just that, you know, uh, like very few people want to provide liquidity for Lefinity USDC because, like I said, there's like not a ton of trading volume. And I, and I think it's safe to say that in most cases, like the impermanent loss will be greater than the fees you generate. Um, and that's why I say like we're doing it as a service, not because like we're trying to make a profit off of it. Um, on the other hand, for Lefinity, uh, Lefinity, I think that is a pool that has potential to generate revenue for yourself. Um, but if you want to compete with like the massive liquidity that is uh, Lefinity's uh, Lefinity X Lefinity liquidity, mm -hmm. um, the the way to do that might be through um, concentrated liquidity, and our liquidity is just in a constant product pool. Um, so like, it's it's very low risk because like X Lefinity and Lefinity are like strongly correlated to each other. Like you can always freely convert Lefinity to X Lefinity for free, um, but the other way is not true because to turn X Lefinity into Lefinity, you need to unlock it over the course of four years. So X Lefinity will always trade at a discount to Lefinity, but we don't know what that discount will be because it's a market determined rate. Um, so I don't know it's kind of tricky. Um, I mean, if if you want to earn Meteor points. I would say focus on other assets, like because like like Lefinity, X Lefinity, like there's some potential there. But on the other hand, like if you hold X Lefinity, that means you're missing out on the protocol revenue because you have to convert your X Lefinity to VE Lefinity to start receiving the protocol revenue. So like that's just much simpler, right? You know, you convert it to VE Lefinity and you start receiving revenue. You don't have to think about like the complexities of like what, what what's the rate going to be? How's it going to change? How fast is it going to change? And who are my competition and all that? So, um, yeah, I, I think I would recommend like uh, trying to use their DLMM. Um, I mean, especially if you're a programmer. Uh, but even if you're not, like, I would try to use it like opportunistically. So, for example, like uh, with the Jupe launch, which is when the points program launched. I mean, there's just like so much volume on Jupe. And so if you were providing liquidity on their DLMM, um, there's like a very good chance that you made money even after considering impermanent loss just because there's so much trading activity. And so like uh, those times especially, so like new token launches, for example, or like when Meteora is giving like a uh, points bonus, probably like also a good time to Try things opportunistically, and if you want to just if you want a more hands-off approach where you don't have to think about the range to concentrate in, then it's probably better to just use um, their constant product pools. Um, yeah, just because those are simpler, but probably choose the pools that are like uh, stable pools, because um, like like you're not going to do well on a full USDC. Constant product pool. <laughs> Just like tons of impermanent loss, but like almost no fees because you're not concentrated. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that's 
somewhat helpful. Definitely, and uh, agreed. Appreciate the the advice, sir. Um, and so, sort of lastly, before um, I open up to the community for some questions, you've been given out hints about Project S, but at the Oligarch Roundtable, we just love to squeeze out more alpha than what's available out there. So what could you let us know about Project S? What will it roughly be? And, and sort of when can we expect anything regarding that? Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I'm getting tired of having to withhold information about Project S. <laughs> it's <laughs> time, it's uh, time you know, to tell it now. <laughs> Yeah, the questions never stop. But um, yeah, so Project S is a new protocol we're working on. Uh, we can't yet say what that protocol is, but uh, maybe some things we can say is uh, it will have strong potential for integration with the tokens of other protocols. Um, let's see. Uh, what else can I say? <laughs> uh, so, I guess in terms of development, um, it's been under development for a few months now. And uh, we're currently in testing. <clears throat> so, if things go well, we will do our initial launch this month. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess I think that's probably about as much as I, I'm able to share right now, fortunately. Okay, thank you very much. We are definitely looking forward to it. So I have one more one last question, but before I ask that, I want to open up the stage for the community here. So guys, if you have any questions for Durden, now is the time to unmute yourself and ask it. Hey, fellas. Um, quick question for me. If we want, like, with this Project S, how is it best for us to uh, be able to interact with it? Like, how, how would we look to, um, to, to participate? Um, uh, you mean other than, like, after we launch and you can actually use it, or...? Yeah, correct. So essentially, yeah, that, that's my question. Is it going to be simply like a simple case of like, it's a dApp that you can use and interact with, or is there something more that, that we could um, engage with? Yeah, it's basically going to be a dApp that you can interact with. Uh, yeah, it, it'll, be a, it'll be a DeFi app. So yeah, it'll be like, you know, like how you use other DeFi apps. Okay, cool. Cheers. Um, and then in terms of like the, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit dim, so I'm still trying to get my head around the, the VE Lifinity and the uh, X Lifinity and stuff like that. So again, if we wanted to uh, like interact with those tokens and, and look to like seek to invest in them, is it a simple case of like if we hold the VE, we would receive uh, essentially the price appreciation and the... Um, and the rev share from there, whereas if we hold the X Lifinity, is it same, same, but different, or? Yeah, so <clears throat> I just posted the, uh, the Twitter thread I was talking about in the, uh, in the chat, by the way. Um, yeah, so in terms of price appreciation or like uh, whether you have price exposure or not, yeah, so basically you do. Um, it's like you have Lefinity, the base token, then VE Lefinity is just a locked version, and it can have various lock periods. The longest is four-year VE Lefinity. And so that just means um, that if you unlock the VE Lefinity, then over the course of four years, your tokens linearly unlock. And uh, so, like, that VE Lefinity still contains the underlying Lefinity. It's just that your access to it is gated by time. And then X Lefinity 
is just the tokenized version for your VEL affinity. So same thing for that. Um, it it does have the price appreciation baked in because it still contains the underlying affinity. Um, with you know the one one um, caveat that if you want to immediately sell your X affinity rather than waiting the four year unlock period, um, then you have to pay the 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 market rate the market discount for uh, or I should say premium market premium for the early exit um, instead of unlocking your tokens gradually and then selling them it's like you get to sell it all at once without waiting the lock period but yeah you're paying the whatever the market premium is at that time right gotcha okay I understand that wonderful thank you mate. No problem. Appreciate the question. All right. If there's no more questions from you guys, I will go ahead with my last since we are approaching the one-hour mark right here. <clears throat> so, Derden, since you are very deeply involved with DeFi on Solana, what would your advice be for someone who is at the beginner level with some experience but wants to double down on this niche? Should they learn Meteor or DLMMs, arbitrage and borrow opportunities between platform, or what would your personal suggestion be? Hmm, interesting. I haven't thought about that in a while because, yeah, it's like, you know, when, once you're in, like, DeFi for a long time, yeah. your perspective changes a lot. And it's, um, But, like, thinking back to what I started doing at the beginning, like, while it did wrecked me in a few ways, for sure, um, <laughs> I think that's probably just, like, part of the experience. So I would say... Um, branch out and try a lot of things. I mean, like, I think also needless to say that it, the the correct answer to this depends on your size. Um, so, like, if you're smaller in size, then I think you should be willing to take on more risk. Um, so, for example, like, if you're not, if you're not, like, worth millions, for say, then, like, you probably don't or no, yeah, if you're not worth millions, then like you, you should be thinking about um, like trying leverage in certain ways, uh, especially through like lending protocols. Um, I used to do a lot of this kind of thing when I had more time. Um, but like uh, taking on like uh, not insane leverage, like very uh, like low amounts of leverage. So for example, um, you deposit on Camino, and uh, you're getting the lending yield, and you're also getting the points. And then you borrow some asset where you know that you can uh, uh, lend that asset somewhere else, but the lending rate on this other protocol is higher than the borrow rate on Camino. Then you get more points for borrowing, um, and then you also get uh, APY, which is the lending minus the lending on the new protocol minus the borrow on Camino. So then you get more there. So, you know, like stuff like that, you, like you have to do, you have to pay attention to uh, like the rates to make sure you don't get liquidated. Um, and that's why, I, and, and I do think you should use like, like, again, like low leverage where you're like pretty, pretty confident that like, uh, you know, price can't move X amount within whatever frequency it is that you check uh, these things. Like, if you check, like, every 24 hours and say, I don't know, like, I, I probably shouldn't give examples. <laughs> i say something stupid. But, uh, yeah, I think you get the point. So, like, I think doing that kind of thing can be pretty effective. And then, you know, I, I'd say, like, try lots of things. So if you're, like, totally new, um, I guess, first of all, use Jupiter. Um, swap into a few assets that maybe you find interesting. Um, Twitter, obviously, great resource to like start finding out about new protocols and stuff. Uh, once you swap some stuff, maybe try providing liquidity. I think Meteor right now is a great place because they have points. Um, I guess there's some other, like Radium and Orca also have some incentivized pools, but those are... Uh, 
like in terms of like total incentives, it's less on those protocols. So you have to look on a pool by pool basis to know like what's best. But say so you could do stuff like that. Um, what else? And then yeah, like lending protocols. I feel like lending stuff is pretty good because like impermanent loss can be like pretty hard to understand and also like strategize around. Whereas like lending protocol stuff, I think it's much simpler to understand. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Those are those are some thoughts, some jumbled thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, thank you uh, very much. Any any thoughts from you are highly appreciated. And I think uh, we've come to an end now. Uh, very deep combos, and I feel like I know Lefinity a lot better, especially the tokenomics. So, thank you very much, Durden, for coming here and uh, explaining uh, everything. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward in the future. If, for example, when Project S launches and you'd like to do a demo or anything like that, uh, maybe in a you know uh, another time with uh, even higher attendance, we would love to have you again. And yeah, once again. Thanks for hopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, good questions. I had fun. And uh, yeah, that'd be fun to come back on for um, Project S once it launches. Excited. All right. Thank you. Cheers, guys. And have an amazing rest of your day. Cheers, guys. Thanks for, thanks for joining. See you guys around. Peace. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Mike.